Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for the words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars... Their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That took a nasty turn at the end, didn't it? All right, so we have reached the last week of our sermon series, Revelation for Not Crazy People. Come on, you can't even be excited about that. Oh my gosh, come on. Okay, so... (laughs) Um, So yay is the wrong answer, by the way. Um, All right, so in this last week of our series and and looking about Revelation, uh, we are going to be talking about this passage, this last couple chapters of the Bible, actually, the whole Bible, but Revelation. And believe it or not, we have a happy, more or less, passage for today. And before this, we've had all these horrible things happening, these battles and plagues and disasters and death and oppression. But now, at this point, as of last week, the sea beast, Rome slash Babylon, has been destroyed and the exploitation and evil that existed in the world has been destroyed with it. And so they are gone, never to be seen again, meaning instead we find the new heaven and the new earth. Though actually that phrase, the new heaven and the new earth, the traditional way of saying it is actually not the most helpful way of thinking about it. Uh, Instead of new, let's call them renewed. And so what's the difference there in those just couple of letters? So for example, if you have a new earth, then it begs the question, what do we do with the old earth? Right? If you're just going to have to wipe out the whole thing and start over again or something, right? You just erase it and start fresh. But that's not what we have here in this passage. What we're talking about is a renewed earth. Because what imagery do we have in this passage? We have this new Jerusalem descending from heaven to earth. Heaven on earth, if you will. If it were the new earth in heaven, then... When we die, you know, we'd go up to the fluffy clouds and get our harps and wings and all this good stuff, right? But because it'd be a new, different place that God was creating specifically for the afterlife, right? You know, heaven. But if this were really the case, why would this passage show us heaven coming down and settling on earth instead? 
And then just to reinforce the point, the, the, the author, John, says that God comes and dwells in the new Jerusalem, in the earthly city. It literally becomes heaven on earth. It's not like we're going up to the clouds, we're going to leave this entire physical universe behind, right? This world, this planet. No, it's not like that. It's rather like there's this new version of Jerusalem coming here into this very world that we already inhabit. This world that is so broken is going to be renewed. It's going to be fixed. There's a lot that's messed up, but that will all be set right and be how it should be. And so this is what heaven truly is, this renewed world where we are with God and the world is how it should be. And like, think about the implications of this shift, right? From new to renewed, from heaven being somewhere out there to heaven being right here. Like, if you're going to leave this planet behind in just a couple decades, and you're just going to go live up in the clouds, do you, do you have to worry in the slightest about, like, the condition of the planet? Right? It's like, I don't know if it's you guys, but, but for myself, I know when I go to a hotel room or an Airbnb or say, um, I'm slightly messy, let's say. Like, uh, like, you know, just leaving junk all over the place because, because you're like, oh, it's temporary, right? It's, I'm leaving eventually. It's not my job to clean it up. There's housekeeping for that, all that, right? It's, it's not my responsibility anymore. And, but in my own place, chances are you're going to be a little bit less slobbish maybe because, because it's like, oh, dang, at some point, I'm going to have to clean this up. Oh, dang it. It, it, I'm not just going to move away, like with a hotel room, right? It's, okay, maybe I'll just put it away in the first place so I don't have to do it later. Okay, on my good days, I do that. Um, But it's it's the same kind of thing with this new versus renewed, right? If If we're just leaving to go to heaven, there is no reason to take care of this thing, this planet. There's no reason not to trash our world, right? I mean, it's both in terms of environment, like literally trashing it, and in terms of, you know, our relationships, how we're functioning, how we're making relationships with one another. And if we had this new earth rather than this renewed earth, we wouldn't have to actually care about what's happening in the here and now because the real thing is out there, right? It doesn't matter what we do here because it's all being destroyed anyway. But in contrast, if we have this renewed Jerusalem coming down from heaven. We've got Jerusalem, the holy city, the the very place where the temple of God is. That is, for the ancients, the very place where God lives. Right? Except now in this renewed city, this renewed Jerusalem, there is no temple. Because, right, in a temple you have somebody between you and God. Right, a mediator. You have you have not direct access, but if you don't have a temple and God is dwelling in the city, that means you have this direct, immediate relationship with God going on. And so John describes the city 
And he describes it in these fascinating ways. He takes great pains to describe every aspect and detail. And so uh, all the encrusted jewels. And then how the city is made out of pure gold. But for some reason, the gold that it's made out of is also transparent and clear like glass. Don't ask me how it works. I don't know. But, um, and then the angel that's showing him around and showing all this stuff gets out his measuring tape and says, hey, let's check out how big this baby is. And they go and measure the city. And they find that the city is what would be the equivalent of 1,500 miles long. <clears throat> what is 1,500 miles from here? That's like Minnesota. Right? So from here to Minnesota is one end, and then it's squared, of course, so then we'll go down to Mexico. Right? So we've got half the continental United States as a gigantic city coming down onto Earth. Um, and then, just to make it fun, there's a total of 12 gates, three per side. So that means, let's say there's a gate in Seattle and San Francisco and San Diego. There's not a lot of going in and out, apparently. So um, it's this mammoth city that comes out of the sky, right? Larger than any city that's ever existed. Heck, it's literally larger than all of the cities on the earth put together. I know I did the math. So uh, it's, you've got this huge city, and there's apparently, for this gigantic city, there's a grand total of one main road in the whole thing, and then you've got this river flowing down the middle of the street, so it sounds like they really needed an urban designer to really get this figured out. But then on the banks of this river, you've got this tree of life. And if you remember back to perhaps one of the creation stories in the Bible, you have the Garden of Eden, and the boundaries of this garden are traced by four rivers. And in the middle of this garden, you have a tree of life. We have this hearkening way back to the, to the beginning because this renewed creation, this renewed city is this symbolic Eden, right? It's, and in this Eden, the curse that had been on humanity because of the original transgression by Adam and Eve, right? The, the, their punishment, for disobeying God's commands, and then we act it out in every subsequent generation, right? Is this curse will be broken. The world can return to the idyllic, uh, Edenic even, Garden of Eden, life as it was meant to be. This new city, this new world is renewed in this new heaven, this new earth, this new Eden. And so if we're thinking in terms of not the new, but the renewed heaven and earth, if this is what we're looking forward to, how does that change how we are called to respond to this passage? What do we have to do differently if we were going to live as if this were the case? As if we were moving toward this renewed world where things are set how they were supposed to be? toward this heaven, but really it's heaven on earth. That is the blending of heaven and earth, right? How how would we live as if this were actually the case? Well, so the obvious answer is don't, you know, screw up the planet. Um, You know, don't cause massive ecological damage because we see this place to be temporary, right? And granted, I imagine that 
few, if none, of you guys actually hold those kinds of personal beliefs, but various significant strains of Christianity and Christian thought and be more or less implicitly or explicitly. They really have been in this vein. They say that there's no need to be environmentalists or whatever, right? Because this whole earth is passing away and God gave us dominion over it and so there's no reason to try to save it. It's all going to be destroyed. And You're focusing on earth, not on heaven. You're missing the point. You're missing the real thing that God cares about. That's one of these things that's been around in Christian thought in stronger or weaker language for thousands of years. And unfortunately, that's not what this passage is calling us to. This passage summons us into care for that which, with which we have been entrusted. And also, in addition to just the environmental aspects of it, which, as somebody had lifted up uh, we are keenly aware of in this moment in time, in this week, perhaps. Along with that, this passage reinforces that you cannot destroy the world in which we live, the, the relationships. Because if the world is renewed, this, those renewed relationships between people are then of ultimate importance. And that's when we move to repair broken relationships, for instance. We're moving in the direction of moving toward getting a foretaste of heaven on earth. And make, make, no, make no mistake, we're not going to fix it ourselves, right? It's, we're not going to solve the brokenness of the evil and the, and, the, and the brokenness of the world with solely our human capacity, right? It's not a technology fix. It's not a medicine fix. It's not a getting the right form of government fix, Right? These are all things that are valuable and definitely worth our time and important for us to pursue, but they're not going to reverse this curse right? by fully bringing heaven onto earth. That's something that's ultimately beyond our power as humans. But we can participate in this work of world repair. We can get a taste of what might be. We can join in this ultimate work that God is doing around us. So may you have the wisdom to discern how you can participate in this project of renewing the heavens and the earth. And may you have the fortitude to bring it to actuality. May it be so.